It's time to crack a cold one and wreck some rankings. On, on wrecked rankings. rankings. Uh, so this is Nathan Wreck Rankings. I have just had a misfire on our entry. Um, I have somehow bent the uh, the tab here. Wow! I'm still trying to get this open. I think uh, I got enough metal. Oh, there we go. Oh man, oh, we, uh, man that's free content right there. We've got a uh, we've got our own blooper reel going now. But uh, going into it, uh, I hope you like Adam Sandler because today's topics are. Or topic is the best and worst Adam Sandler movies. That's about as straightforward as I can put it. Um, that's, that's what we're talking about today. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, and obviously I cover the worst ones, but I don't know if any of them are going to top that beer cracking because that was. It's Saturday, Nathan. Why would you ruin that? At this point, I've got this bent tab that's like poking me when I'm trying to drink too. So maybe see if I can get it off. Folks, the- I think Nathan's been working out too much because he totally somehow. I've just- never seen anything like this before. Huh. It just push push I've the tab. A, I've got a double helix going on now. So while he's trying to figure that out, right, so this is just what we're doing. I just bent it back okay. against the can. See, I had no issues here. So today, I guess since we're on the topic, we're uh, eleven below brewing. That is the company. We are drinking their beer called Flex Appeal. And yes, that's a play upon sex appeal. Uh, this is described as a strong American ale. Uh, it's seven point four percent alcohol. Um you know, per volume. That, that's a lot, Nathan. Wait, I think you meant... You should say 4.7. I said 7.4. Oh, 7.4. You're all, you're all topsy-turvy <clears throat> there. I've got, a, I've got a bloody finger now, too. Apparently, oh I also God. cut through my finger trying to open the dang thing. Are you okay? Yeah, I know. Do I need to fetch the first we, aid we, kit? We will go through the injury. This uh, podcast is about perseverance. Just put it on the cold... Just hold it against the cold can. <laughs> Take a salt tablet. <laughs> that's... No, that does not apply here. But, uh... Back to the topic at hand, Adam Sandler movies. So, you know, Adam Sandler's pretty much been making movies as long as we've been alive. He's at least been, sure. you know, relevant. I think he made, you know, I can't remember when his first SNL appearance was, but it was probably around the time we were born. Maybe a couple of years after. Yeah. I mean, basically, as long as we're alive and old enough to, to talk, he had already entered, really, you know, the, or I guess our, our, as far back as our memories go. He's at least been in the movie business post SNL at that point, so I think correct. I think yeah, he's he's been around for quite a while now, and I mean, still going strong. <laughs> I mean, going into I mean, love him or hate him, or there's also a lot of people who are kind of in between. Maybe there's certain movies of his they like better than others, or you know, certain certain I guess some of his sticks that they like better than others. But one thing I will say is you have to respect his business sense. I mean, kind of look at the movie business. There's so many, I mean, hands in the pot per se. I mean, between casting and directing, producing, writing, all that kind of stuff. There's, there's many different moving parts to where you get all these complex arrangements of, you know, how finances are decided, how things get worked out as far as what's going to be done as far as plot and and everything else goes. And, And so because of that, like any other business, the more you're able to control of the process, you'll be able to basically more, I guess, have more benefits financially from it, as well as be able to control the creative process more. That's something he's really been able to do his entire career for the most part. I mean, with Happy Madison Productions setting that up, that put him in a really great spot. And then, I mean, in recent years with Netflix, I mean, he's just making bank off Netflix deals. Yeah, I mean, he's really the first like mainstream person to like just exclusively put out content on Netflix. I mean, there's like a couple movies every year 
I mean, yeah. I just saw I saw Hubie Halloween this year. Mm-hmm. That may or may not make the list. We'll see. Um, but you know, I, I really admire that he looks out for his friends. It's true. Pretty much in every movie, he hires all of his buddies. So you know, he's just out there having a good time. And I think he's like past the point of caring for the most part about like you know making the the, the you know the most cutting edge most character developed stories but granted there's a few gems in there um that we'll talk about but he just seems like a cool dude to hang out with yeah and it, i mean like you said he he looks out for his friends but you can say whatever you want about him but he knows how to market himself he's built up a following and kind of like the most recent netflix deal he had was signed earlier this year basically at the beginning of 2020 and it's a four before movie deal for up to 275 million dollars like it's I mean, this is a gigantic deal, and uh, kind of at the time they made this signing, the Netflix statistics showed that, I mean, since 2015, there had been over 2 billion hours of Adam Sandler movies consumed on Netflix. So, I mean, people are watching it. He's got it going for him, so more power to him. And then, yeah, we may run into some of the movies as we get through our list. But uh, really the last thing I wanted to mention before we get into it here is, you know, we talk about this strong beer and stuff, and so in Spirit of Strength... And then our last episode on New Year's resolutions, I have a resolution of my own. I know kind of the way we divide this up is I'm doing the best list, you're doing the worst list, so I'm kind of the good cop in this scenario. But yep. I decided from here on, I'm going to, anything that I feel and I want to say, I'm just going to give it to you. If you uh, if you cross me in any way or uh, if I disagree with any of your points. So uh, there's a new Nathan on the block here. Dang it. This totally conflicts with my resolution. <laughs> My resolution was to sit on the fence in all on all sides. <laughs> I was going to figure out how to be in the middle and not be controversial. <laughs> this does not bode well. No, no, but uh, in all seriousness, I'm just putting you on notice, as the kids would say. Okay, but we'll we'll see if that pans out or Please not. Please bring it. But uh, so hopping into the list, if you're ready to no, go, no, I'm going to go first this time. Oh, okay. You, you've got me all riled up with your resolution, so I'm going to start off with my number five. the The cinematic feature from 2007. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. So, Adam Sandler and Kevin James. Once you say those names, you already have a preconceived notion. <laughs> you, you have strong feelings either t- for or against this, this duo. Uh, you know, they hang out a lot in, in various films. Um, 2007 was, you know, <laughs> a lot of things you could say about this movie. You know, whether, if, if you're part of, you know, any kind of politically correct movement... This, this movie's not for you, like, at all. Um, you know, at the end of the day, most of his movies like that, at the end of the day, there's a good moral behind it. It's just the route you get there is, is kind of wonky. Um, if you haven't seen it, essentially the gist of it is two fireman buddies. Adam Sandler's, you know, character gets saved by Kevin James's character during a rescue. And then Kevin James is getting over losing his wife. And he's like, oh, man... Somehow there was paperwork loopholes, and I can't name my kids the beneficiary of my life insurance policy. So how do we resolve that? We marry someone else. So he asks his buddy Chuck, who's Adam Sandler, Hey buddy, why don't you marry me so you can be the beneficiary? So a lot of flaws there. Okay, why would that be your first choice? You know, I know he's a fireman, and it's a higher risk job, but it just seems kind of odd. Mail order a bride, you know? (laughs) <laughs> go meet someone, you know, and get drunk and go to like a quick quickie wedding chapel. Or so. There's other solutions you could take to get there. 
so you can already guess where the story's going, right? You know, they, they go on this whole whole charade throughout the movie where they're trying to convince people, hey, it's not it's not fraud because that's what the union is trying to claim. Yeah. That, you know, it, it, the civil union or whatever is not valid. You know, and then they get a lawyer who's Jessica Biel. And, of course, Adam Sandler's character starts to fall in love with Jessica Biel. And, obviously, that's a conflict because she assumes that he is, you know, gay. So, a lot of stuff there. Um... <laughs> It's just, it, it's it's tired. It doesn't add anything new. It's It was outdated in 2007. And not even like, I'm not even a politically correct person. It's just, it seems lazy. The, the story, obviously, yeah, he's going to fall for the hot Jessica Biel. And obviously there's a scene where she gets in her underwear. And Adam Sandler gets conflicted about it. And then they end up kissing. And then Kevin James gets all angry. And then, you know, all of their fireman buddies... Start being really, really jerkish towards them. And you know what? I'm not down with that. Nathan, we worked together for a while. Yeah. I, I don't care I don't care who you're dating. <laughs> I'm gonna love and respect you. You're my friend. Yeah, I, I I guess it's definitely not a good movie by any means. I'm not gonna disagree with it being on your worst list. Um like I said, it is definitely not politically correct. I think they they try to lean in too much on stereotypes to generate humor. Um, and I guess with comedy, you know, stereotypes aren't necessarily off limits, of course. I mean, kind no. of the, really the general rules that seem to apply in the comedy world are, A, is it funny? And B, is there generally a positive message behind it? So if you can kind of check both of those boxes, people can get on board with it because you can create laughs while also helping to improve things along the way. But if you're relying on stereotypes and it isn't funny, it just... See, you don't, you don't, you, you basically don't get that 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 pass, I guess. Like, like you, you can tell it, it's trying to redeem itself at the end, but then like it, it ruins it because then like, all right, so their fire captain is played by Dan Aykroyd. Fine, whatever. But like at the end of the day, he like he turns them in. He is like, oh, I knew of this union the whole time, and it's it's a big fraud. So they get thrown in jail, but then like they get let out of jail for agreeing to do a photo shoot for an AIDS research benefit calendar. I'm like, okay, you almost had me, and then you just you, you ruin it. What kind of agreement is that? That's very odd and very specific. I guess. I mean, do you have anything else on on your your side for this? You know, there's other stereotypes. You know, like Kevin James's son. You know, they have a strong in- inclination he might be gay because, of course, he doesn't prefer sports. He prefers tap dancing and musicals. So you know, an old trope right there. Because obviously, gay people can't play sports. So, you know, I, I don't know, just things like that. Um, no, it, it's just a weird story. All right, I'm going to ask you to say yes or no something. This kind of entertained me last time. Yep. So I'm just going to give you two quick facts. I'm going to tell you what the Rotten Tomato score was and kind of what that summary quip is they have at the top of theirs. Yeah. Just say basically agree or disagree. Mm-hmm. All right, so did you want to guess the number again? Or you just call me Rotten that? Tomatoes? Yeah. 8%. Actually, so it's 15%, so you're still in the right okay. ballpark. The consensus is, whether by way of inept comedy or tasteless stereotypes, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, falters on both levels. See, yeah. I think it kind of really kind of hits on, on some of your points, basically. It's just, it's not funny, and it's not... The story wasn't even, you know, like, it wasn't even slightly believable. And granted, it's Adam Sandler comedy, but, like, you know, some, some of the other stories have been more gripping than that. Yeah. I don't know. No, yeah, I I don't think that's a bad choice at all. Um, so then hopping over to number five on my list, this might make you happy because I have Happy Gilmore here. 
I know mm-hmm. you're a big golf person. I'm a huge golfer. So uh, basically, the general plot, I'll, I'll kind of set it up. I guess on my, my list, since I'm supposed to be doing the best movies, I'll kind of give the general setup of some of these plots. Okay. I won't go too much in detail, so if for some reason you haven't seen any of these before, I'll kind of leave leave some open to the imagination. You should have seen Happy Gilmore, but yes. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, I mean, same for all of these on, on my list. Um, so yeah, Happy Gilmore was 1996. Uh, but basically, he is a failed hockey player who is needing to raise money to help his grandmother get her house back from the IRS. And the way he does that is by becoming a professional golfer. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's really kind of the setup of the movie, which is, uh, I mean, obviously, it doesn't make that much sense when you, when you think about it first. But it's basically he can drive a golf ball real well because he's got a great hockey slap shot. And he just kind of has to learn the rest along the way. Um, but ultimately, this is a pretty upbeat movie. or it, it's, an, it's more of like, you know, the light comedy type movies. And I point that out because I'll, I'll bring up something later in, in our episode today to kind of point back to this. But I think kind of the cast they had worked really well. I mean, Adam Sandler was kind of the more traditional type Adam Sandler behavior where it's more, you know, wacky kind of. Uh, he's kind of not the most politically correct person and in this movie especially because he's a hockey player who loves swearing and you know violence and kind of all the stereotypes you have around somebody who's really into hockey especially more on the enforcer side um but other people they have in here like carl weathers is hilarious yeah absolutely it's kind of his uh as chubbs his, yep. his, his guidance person for the stereotypical sports movie element um I also really like Ben Stiller. He, he he's in this movie huh. as kind of the uh, nursing home uh, supervisor, essentially. Fun fact: he's also <clears> in <throat> Hubie Halloween as the same character. So if you haven't seen it, go look at it. Go check but, it out. Yeah. So if you, if you watch the movie, those those two crack me up a lot. So I think as far as supporting cast goes, it's great. Um, the, the villain in this movie that you meet is a guy named Shooter McGavin, who's mm-hmm. kind of like the uh, the the new top pro golfer uh, played by Christopher McDonald. But he he's a uh, He's really a great villain. If you watch the movie, you'll see I'm talking about. He's kind of got like the right level of of arrogance and pizzazz to him that you'd like in a in a sports movie like that. Dude, he still milks that character like to this day. But if you watch the movie, you'll see what I'm talking about. It's pretty great as far as villains go. You can't really top that, especially in a comedy movie. I think. Yeah, I'm trying to think. In a comedy movie, the only other one I could think that might rival it, Uh, Ben Stiller in Dodgeball. Oh yeah. I, I, I'd fully support that. I mean, I would put them kind of in, you know, in that same echelon. Yeah. Where they're just really great comedy sports villains, especially. But Shooter McGavin was more subtle and more yeah. realistic. He's a little more realistic. I guess he's definitely more... He's still a little bit more flamboyant than a real pro golfer would be well, in most cases. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm just I mean, you got some attitudes yeah. in the pro golfer, but it's still obviously a little bit dramatized. Uh, but what I'm going to go into here, mm-hmm. going to my resolution, is... I'm going to point out some positive things about the critique of the sport of golf that you can get from this movie. Okay. So I think it says a lot about golf that essentially a failed hockey player can learn the sport and play it professionally and beat out pro golfers. Speaking to the skill set required for golf, it kind of uh, makes it seem not that great. Now, hang on here, sir. Let, let me defend let me, golf for half a second. Let me, let me, let me put out the points. Okay, go ahead. I will drop the points. But also, if you notice in the movie... People actually start caring about golf because somebody goes out there who actually shows uh, passion and is un- is willing to break all the PC elements of the sport and-, and bring some excitement to it finally. 
And, and so it creates like this huge following around Happy Gilmore throughout the film. So it's, it's another thing. It basically kind of points out that, you know, generally golf is pretty boring. It's everybody having to shut up and watch a guy swing a, a metal stick around for a little bit. Um, but then it also creates the, you know, the scenario in your mind of like, okay, what would happen if a golf player tried to play hockey? But, you know, it, it's, it's one of those crosses that, you know, it'd, it'd be really difficult to see, uh, you know, somebody like Phil Mickelson skating around trying to no, you know, survive on ice. Dude, Phil Mickelson's slap shot would be totally killer. All he does on the golf course is hit bombs. And I have no <laughs> doubt on the ho- on the ice he would just totally, you know, rip some slap shots. How dare you? <laughs> but, but, I mean, those are, are some of the, the main points I wanted to put out. But basically, he uh, it requires a hockey player coming in to make the sport of golf exciting. It is really something that I think is a good takeaway from this movie. Now, now, hang on here. So this was ninety six. Yeah, ninety six. Okay, so like Tiger Woods was just about to turn pro, so he he hadn't, he hadn't arrived yet because he totally revolutionized it and brought in a huge influx of people. Um, so yes, this but was, even he was still kind of like overall was still kind of a goody two shoes, or it's not like it's not like you're going to see Tiger well, Woods at you know, the time. Yes, yes, slapping shots or fighting somebody or. You know, he's not, he's definitely a, a younger energy, but it's not, not like anything insane because he was always still very, very acceptable for the media spotlight. Do you know of John Daly? Oh, yes. Okay. See, but the reason you talk about John Daly is not necessarily for his golf achievements, but hey. for everything that isn't related. See, it's, now, it, most of his achievements were in the 90s, so he was a great <laughs> golfer at the time. He was a great golfer, but I think it's his legacy gets boosted by his extracurricular activities, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I guess is that the closest thing to a real life Happy Gilmore as far as fiery attitudes. I'm trying to think of people that have actually made it. Um, like that would be. Few, I'm trying. To, yeah, I'm trying. To, probably. Yeah, we'll just go with that. <laughs> I guess there anything else you'd like to add on the sport of golf or the sport of golf or Happy Gilmore? Do you have more to say about Happy Gilmore? No, I mean honestly, I think Happy Gilmore is great. It, it's hilarious all the way through because um, I mean it's like I said, it, it's pretty silly overall, but there's a lot of good laughs and it's a mixture of jokes, but also kind of like some of the physical gags you'll see in comedy movies um, and, and things like that. You know, you know some you know dramatic faces, noises, like all the random elements to come into his, yeah. but it doesn't, it doesn't rely on one thing too much. I, Co- correct. You know, and I, I think, think it keeps it fresh throughout the movie. Yeah. You know, I think one more point towards it is it's probably one of his funniest movies that is more family friendly. It, granted, there's a little swearing and stuff, but like, as far as like, you know, a lot of sex jokes and uh, total vulgarity and total, you know, you know, yeah, just craziness. It it's pretty tame. It didn't break into the R rating. I think that one ended up no. being PG thirteen. So, I mean, yeah, obviously there, there's there's certain adult references and stuff like that. But yeah, it, it'd probably be more family friendly than a variety of his films. Yeah, and Bob Barker. <laughs> so yeah, that's true. They're, Good movie. Bob Barker's a great interesting movie. But uh, yeah, uh, I think Happy Gilmore was one of the better ones. So unless you have anything else to add, I guess we can. Yeah, pop so, over to you again. Yeah, so the number four worst movie uh, from 2012, That's My Boy. So, full confession here. So, if you've never seen this movie, in 2012, I actually enjoyed this movie. But I went back and saw it for the purposes of this thing, and it is bad. Were you inebriated the first time? Uh, it's quite possible, but also, let's see, 2012. 
I just turned 21. So, yeah, probably. <laughs> I was absolutely probably inebriated. <laughs> um, Adam Sandler obviously stars with Andy Samberg. So, interesting pairing there. Essentially, the the movie opens up. Adam Sandler is in, like, middle school. And he ends up getting caught, like, having sex with his teacher. And, like, in an auditorium. Some assembly with, like, the entire school. You know, it's the old trick where they pull back the curtain and they're, like, you know, they're making love on a piano. And, like, for some reason, the whole school just, like, erupts in applause for him. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Even some of the faculty. So that's really weird. So, like, he gets, like, spinoff shows and things. He gets famous from it as a teenager. Um, and, obviously, the teacher got pregnant from it. So, like, the story is Andy Samberg is his son. Um... But, you know, he's kind of, he disowns his father and kind of goes off. And he renames himself because um, his, his actual name is like Han Solo. <laughs> but he, I think he names himself Todd Peterson <laughs> to get away. So, you know, you fast forward, I think, 28 years. So now Adam Sandler's character is about to be, you know, thrown in prison for tax evasion. And he, he goes and finds like the guy who used to chronicle him in, in TV and stuff. Who is uh, played by um, Dan Patrick. <laughs> and um, he's like, hey, I, I need money. Give me some money so I don't get thrown in jail. So the whole the whole setup is he'll give him $50,000 if he gets his son and the old teacher to all reunite <laughs> at the women's prison. Because obviously she was thrown in prison for having sex with the, with uh, you know a child. So he goes and you know, finds his son who is like visiting his boss because he's marrying Leighton Meester. Mm-hmm. So, she hasn't been in much. I'm trying to think. Well, Not I mean, like lately. Yeah, I mean, I'm familiar with the movie Gossip, or the the show Gossip Girl. There was Gossip Girl. Parson Rec. Leighton Meester was in that? She played, um, what's the chick? The, uh, the real trendy chick. I'm, I'm. The bluish lady. I'm, I'm. Blanking a little bit. Oh, I'm, what's her I'll name? Blank this out. I've only seen Parks and Rec all the way through once, so once? I'm probably just missing oh. it here. Um, and now that they moved it off to Netflix, I, I don't have access to it immediately. But uh, I guess other there's the one movie where it's I can't remember who is who, but mm-hmm. uh, it she and Minka Kelly are like college roommates, and, okay. and they already kind of look alike, but one slowly starts becoming like creepier and ends up trying to be the other person in a way like it's i can't remember fully how the plot goes or which one's the creepy one and which one's the normal one but it's kind of like a like a thriller type type movie but it's it basically plays off the fact that leighton meester and mika kelly have a similar appearance to start with um but yeah that's that's the only thing i'm like bringing to mind Right now. Anyways, let me circle back to that. It's an entourage. Yeah, so let me me circle back to this. So anyways, so like he shows up and obviously it's a total surprise to Andy Samberg because Andy Samberg told everyone that his parents died in like a fire. (laughs) So Donnie, Adam Sandler is like, you know, he's introduced as his old friend. And obviously this is one of the Adam Sandler characters where he like talks with a crazy accent and he always has like a Budweiser in his hand and like he's loved by everyone. But then, you know, the whole story kind of, you know, disintegrates into a bunch of shenanigans where he like he fights a catholic priest upon this this wedding weekend and he tries to make love to old ladies 
and uh, you know he takes his son out on a crazy you know strip club bachelor party, and they get into <laughs> trouble there. It's really odd. Uh, his character is like best friends with like Vanilla Ice because they were both famous back in the eighties. <laughs> it's just it, it's so bizarre. It, it's like it, if you're like fifteen, you might find it funny, or if you're drunk, twenty-one year old man, you might find it funny. But it, it's not. Funny. You know, I, I I gotta say this might become the Christmas movies all over again because I saw the Chuck and Larry movie before yeah. when I was younger. I've never seen this one. I'm starting to wonder if we're getting to the Adam Sandler territory where I haven't seen anything on your list. Um, but yeah, even from the previews, this is one that I wasn't necessarily interested in. It didn't really grip me in any way, so I, I never saw this one. So I don't have any passionate take one way or the other. But I, I guess to spot check where you're at, you want to take a guess at the Rotten Tomatoes? It's lower than the other one, right? It's lower than that. Uh, Do you want me to answer I that? Pronounce you, yeah, answer that. It's actually not lower. 18%. Almost exactly. It was 20%. Oh, okay. they had. And the synopsis they had is, or the, the consensus is, well, it does not represent a new foray into raunch for the normally PG-13 Sandler. That's my boy finds him repeating himself to diminishing effect and dragging Andy Samberg down with it. Yeah, so if you like Andy Samberg, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's not good for him. Yeah, and I think this is where we're getting to the point, too, where depending on whether you're at uh, I guess like an Adam Sandler fan or not, or whether you're kind of conditionally a fan, depending on which movie and which approach he's taken. This might be really only something you're watching if you're like kind of a bought in Adam Sandler fan. Correct. So I think I think that's something fair to take as we go through. But I guess did you have anything else on that one? No, I was trying to think of anything you know like merited. I mean, was 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 Andy Samberg even funny in it, or was it? Just no, he, you know, he played probably the character you would assume he played, where he, that kind of awkward young man who tries to avoid a lot of conflict. Mm-hmm. Kind of like you. So, like, yeah, you might get something <laughs> out of it, but no, that's it. Not avoid. I already started the conflict today with the golf debate. Like, okay. So this, this New Year's resolution. It wasn't a debate. Pretty, you were just wrong. <laughs> but, uh, so, number four on my list is Big Daddy. Okay. And this one came out in 1999. Basically, kind of at, like, the height of, I would say, like, the, the, the mega popularity for Adam Sandler. Because at that point, many of his other big hits had come out, and so, really, they, they were all huge box office hits. Um, and this one specifically, Big Daddy, was actually his biggest domestic, like, as far as the highest grossing goes, it was his biggest domestic film until 2015, when, of all movies, Hotel Transylvania 2 broke it. Hey, man, so, those animated movies are, you know, just box office yeah. draws, dude. Because this was, yeah, we're almost hitting 2006, that's 1999. Um, he goes in, but th- this one's also a little bit different from his Adam Sandler movies. And so earlier I pointed out that, you know, Happy Gilmore is very lighthearted in nature. And in a lot of ways, Big Daddy is too. But it does incorporate somewhat of a newer element to his film where it's pulling at the heartstrings a little bit more. Um, just because kind of with Big Daddy, uh, as far as the movie goes, um, in, in summary, he ends up having to look, look after someone's child. So he's got a small child he's looking after through the course of the movie. And, you know, he, he's not necessarily the most put together character, but, you know, throughout caring for this child and teaching him things and, and learning about him and himself, he slowly starts to become a better person throughout the movie. Uh, and so, 
at different points it taps more into an emotional aspect than his earlier films. Like we said, with Happy Gilmore, they, they never really get into like this deep emotional state. Yeah. And, and they could have, because like I said, Happy Gilmore, he's trying to help his grandma get her house back. So you probably could have made that a much darker or much more sentimental piece than it, than it was. Uh, with Big Daddy, they play into that a little bit more. And this kind of brings me into... Uh, the first debate I kind of want to bring up with you, it's a little okay. bit of an offshoot, but if you've noticed with comedy movies these days versus the past, there's a lot more of that going on to where there's some kind of, you know, more heartfelt meaning to something. Cause like these days if a movie comes out and it's purely focused on fun, kind of like a lot of comedies were in like the mid nineties, you know, like a happy Gilmore, if it just has that a lot of times they're not easily accepted or they, they're just kind of ravaged pretty early on. It's almost a requirement these days that you have some kind of, you know, deeper, you know, emotional side of it. Like, it's got to be more multifaceted than it used to be. Do you, do you kind of see that? Or You, you know, it's kind of interesting because I'm, I'm trying to rack my brain over the last few years to see, like, what big comedies were there. Well, I mean, even like, all right, so some of the, the biggest comedies of recent years, like, even with something like Bridesmaids. Which that was recent a years, huge, wasn't it like a decade ago? I, now? I, fine, uh, that, that, that's maybe I'm aging myself here, but <laughs> you totally are. <laughs> but, uh, but like even that one, where it's still like overall, it's a it's a very you know laugh out loud type comedy, but they still put a lot more of effort into kind of the emotional connections and some of the sentimental side of things than a lot of comedies would in the past that we found to be the best comedies out there. Like it's it's almost like well, the norm now that you need to be. Well, yeah. what about like 21 and 22 Jump Street? So those, I, I would say, those are definitely less on the emotional side. Th- those were hilarious, I, I guess. But I'm trying to think. There was some, you know, play between the two characters. But I, I would say it probably isn't as deep as some of the other ones. So I think that's a good counterpoint. Um, but so there's still some of that element in there. Because like I said, if you compare it to something like Happy Gilmore, they really don't go that that deep at all into really trying to tap into the emotional drama type spectrum part is wondering though a good point too is you know as we get older you know we're not hip and with it anymore so like we really don't know who like the young rising stars are because like a lot of the people we grew up with like adam sandler like they are still making a lot of stuff like on netflix but it's not like big blockbusters you know so i feel like with kids a lot of like the 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 slapstick comedy equivalent like the lighthearted stuff we do is more YouTube based these days with all the different channels going on. Well, everything's there. shorter, right? Everything's in shorter bursts, shorter attention spans. Yeah. Um, also, you know, probably for the better, um, they're more aware of issues and prejudices, and you know, they're more quote unquote woke than our, we grew up. Um, so maybe that's some of it too, because yeah. a lot of a lot of the movies we grew up loving were they wouldn't be made today. Yeah, I, I guess the last kind of data point I'll put out there for kind of what the consensus great movies are these days or what makes a lot of money. Like if you just look at like the Marvel universe that's set up, yep. those movies integrate kind of all the genres all together. Cause it's like an action movie, but then they also make it drama and kind of, you know, have some emotional side, but then you know, there's a lot of comedy mixed in too, to where they kind of hit all the different genres, which I, I guess helps to create this mass appeal and more of a human feel to it, to where they're really kind of dipping into it every single one of the cinematic buckets you know, when I think th- th- about it. I'm glad you said that. That's a fair point because, you know, for the most part, when we were growing up, superhero movies weren't 
they weren't like mainstream, right? They were made, you know, for the really hardcore nerds. And honestly, most of them were not that good. It's once the Marvel Cinematic Universe started opening up, they became mainstream and people who had never liked superheroes were drawn in. So maybe that's where a lot of that money went. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's interesting because, like I said, these days, if you have a comedy movie that's purely focused on comedy and that's as deep as it goes, it, it really seems to get hit hard by the public and, and critics. Whereas in the old days, in the 90s, you could go see a, a comedy movie that's just meant for comedy and everybody loves it because you know what you're going in to get. You don't have these, like, incredible standards for dramatic elements and well, so forth. let's be fair, though, because, like, none of, most of Adam Sandler's movies aren't, like, critically loved but he still yeah. killed at the box office. Like honestly, like if you looked up the Rotten Tomato score for Big Daddy, it's probably not amazing. Yeah, no, it's not. It's oh, like thirty nine percent. That's what I'm saying. But it totally killed at the box office. Yeah, so I, I guess like on the the critical side with actual critic reviews, I mean, still they're not going to have some of the plot devices and things that you know, you know would help advance on those types of scores. But at yeah. least as far as public perception goes, you know, the public loved them, and, and these are making. A horrific amount of money, whereas some of the more like maybe like the past decade with Adam Sandler films, like That's My Boy, wouldn't have been nearly as successful yep. as it possibly could have been had it been you know a movie that came out maybe in like the nineties or something. Because really, yeah, that public perception and dollar makes a huge impact. Correct. Um, but but yes, yeah, so that's I was just bringing up. But uh, yeah, no, um, I mean in summary, Big Daddy, it's hilarious. There's the whole peeing on the wall scene and other types of iconic things that you probably seen even if you haven't watched the movie before what what is the actress's name his love interest so what's her name the vanessa it, i know he was into christy swanson was kind of who he he liked out she played vanessa okay yeah yeah I, I didn't know so, her name okay but but yeah and then the the kid in the movie is played by the oh, yeah. twins who were in friends and one of them grew up to be a riverdale kid and so forth you skipped their biggest achievement the Sweet Life of, of Zach, Zach and Cody. Cody. <laughs> Nathan, come on, dude. I know that was kind of past our time, but... Yeah, but then you skipped Sweet Life of Zach and Cody on deck. <laughs> Which was the... No, it was the Sweet Life on deck. A Sweet Life on oh deck. Oh, my God. God. You just keep messing up. You, but... you keep messing up. Good Lord. Okay, I'm going to go on now. Yeah. <laughs> so, the number three worst Adam Sandler movie, Pixels. So, Pixels came out in 2015, and I wanted to like this movie. Uh, you know, from seeing the preview, like, you know, it looked corny, but like, I was like, okay, cool. I'm a big video game nerd. Maybe it's going to be, you know, worth watching. And then you turn it on. And about 10 minutes later, you instantly regret everything that's happening. So it opens up at like when Adam Sandler's a child, it's like 1982. He loves the early eighties. So, (laughs) um, he's in like an arcade competition. Nathan, have you ever seen Pixels? I have not. It's All right, so basic synopsis. So his two main, in a row now. <laughs> yeah. So his childhood rival is played by Peter Dinklage. Mm-hmm. So that that's already something, right? And he ends up losing the competition to Peter Dinklage. Fast forward all these years, he, he like installs home theater systems and things like that. And uh, his, one of his best friends growing up, can you guess what actor it was, Nathan? One of his best friends growing up, it's Kevin you, James. It was Kevin James. And guess what? Kevin James is now the president of the United States. Ooh, boy. Okay, so... <laughs> Kevin James, it kind of it starts to focus on him, and like it talks about a, a U.S. military base in Guam is under attack by extraterrestrials. So that's already weird enough, right? But like the extraterrestrials are attacking 
like somehow in the form of the old school game Galaga, <laughs> and they end up like taking a soldier hostage. It's already very bizarre. All right, so it already sounds like it'd be better if it was Mortal Kombat or something was the game in question. If they're going to go to war with some kind of arcade game. So it turns out aliens somehow interpreted like some old video cassette in a wrong way. And now they assume that they the U.S. wants a war with them. So like they, <laughs> they start a war. And like ultimately it gets down to them telling the U.S. they're going to be in a, like a first to three, a first to win three game competition. And whoever wins the competition gets to rule the earth. So <laughs> it gets very bizarre. Um... You know, some of the games that are played in these competitions are like Arkanoid. Did you ever play Arkanoid? Nope. Did you never? So that was played in India, and the aliens destroyed the Taj Mahal. Oh, my God. Yes. I very- would say my arcade games are limited. Uh, Pac-Man, maybe maybe a little bit of Centipede. I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, Centipede is in here. Like a, a Robotron, if you ever heard of that. I'm trying to think of other random classic games. Joust. I think I played that one a bit. You played Joust? I have. That's a good game. So, like, to combat this threat, I guess you would call it, you know, the U.S. develops, like, these weird ray guns that are somehow effective against aliens. And, like, they start playing them in these games, and, like, Adam Sandler and, and these other people are training Navy SEALs on how to play these video games. Wait, wait all, right, all right, hold up a sec. So, the aliens, are they video game characters? Or are they, <laughs> they're, they're aliens that they can, they're, they're communicating they via transform video They transform their... Entities or their beings into like video game characters. So, for example, one of the next things that happens is London gets attacked somehow by the aliens, like playing the game Centipede. And it's very weird, but like they end up losing. And like at some point in the movie, like the aliens will give trophies, but the trophies are like aliens that have been transconfigured, like almost like in Harry Potter. To be something else. So, like, one was transconfigured into Qbert. Did you know Qbert? Yeah, I know that is. They were given, like, a Qbert trophy. It, it's it's very bizarre. You may have seen in one of the trailers, they're back in New York City, and, like, somehow one of the aliens is transformed into a giant Pac-Man. <laughs> and the giant Pac-Man is obviously causing chaos. Yeah, I so, think I remember that from the commercials. Yeah, you probably remember that from the commercials. So, like, somehow the U.S. gets, like, these modded Mini Coopers. That act as like the ghosts in Pac-Man, and they all go around, and like they're trying to chase down the Pac-Man character. I mean, these sounds like the worst aliens to begin with, because like if you're if you're trying to you know battle with people on Earth, why would you do it in the form of something they're comfortable and familiar with? You're already in their territory. Why would you play by their rules using these arcade games that they're? I also don't know how the aliens know about our arcade games. It, it it's weird. Again, it's all tied back to this. Childhood championship from like 1982. Somehow they, they saw it and they know the games that were played back then. I don't know why it's so damn important. but And of course, right, let's, I'm just going to fast forward. It's like the final boss in the movie is like, they're, they're sucked into like, it's like the first level of Donkey Kong, the arcade game. You know, where you're trying to scale, you know. Yeah, up, yeah. And all the hostages are up there. That That's the final boss. So you, you pretty much know how that ends, right? So it's weird. Like Josh Gad is in it. He gives a terrible mm-hmm. performance. Kevin James is pretty terrible in it. Peter Dinklage isn't much better. Um, it's just... I wanted to... I, I like corny old video game stuff, but this wasn't it. It seems very, very kind of shoehorned in. I don't know how to how to put this. But it seems like it'd be great for like five-year-olds who don't really understand well, plot or subtext. Yeah. <laughs> like, just the, the visuals were cool. 
I'll give him that. That's about it. That's it. Okay. So I guess all my many questions aside, Chuck and Larry was a 15% and uh, that's my boy was 20. Yeah. Where do you think this one's hitting? 12. It's 17%. Oh, that's so kind of right in between the two. Better than I but, thought, yeah. But the consensus here is much like the worst arcade games from the era that inspired it, Pixels has little replay value and it's hardly worth a quarter. <laughs> Dang. So, Basically, all these movies that's, have that's been really read so far, so the Rotten Tomatoes uh, critics are uh, fully on board. I, I'm assuming they're going to be on board with you the rest of the way. We'll we'll, we'll see if that okay. that holds up. But I guess I'm, I'm going to hop over then to my number three. Yep. Which, uh, this is definitely a change of pace. Um, it's the 2019 movie Uncut Gems. Totally different. <laughs> so, this is not like anything this else. Is, this is definitely uh, an Adam Sandler movie, but... I mean, obviously, it's not a comedy, if you know anything about it. Um, so basically, for this, Adam Sandler has a jewelry store, um, but he's also involved in you know gambling and doing different types of deals and types of shady dealings to where he's kind of this character who's in pretty much a, a high-intensity lifestyle. Um, I know this movie, and it's... It's pretty much a trip the whole way through. It's got great pacing. You're never going to sit there and be bored. Mm-hmm. In fact, it may stress you out completely while you're watching this movie. But it's probably also got more swearing than all the other Adam Sandler movies combined somehow. <laughs> it's definitely not it's, for the family. It's, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I think even on the warning they put pervasive strong language. Because, I mean, they're just using the F-bomb constantly. But... um I would say it's exciting. It's great. And Adam Sandler puts on a pretty incredible performance. I mean, he doesn't utilize comedic elements that much. But that being said, I think there's like kind of this huge impact that it has sometimes when a comedic actor does something serious. And I'm I'm kind of tossed around whether it's because they're doing a really good job at more of the drama role or if it's also a little bit because it's so jarring it's so different to see them not acting a comedic role that has a bigger impact on us i mean another example that i i think of is steve carell it has a movie called fox catcher where he plays a guy named john dupont um it's based on a real life story put together a olympic wrestling team but and that's definitely a drama steve carell's not doing any funny office stuff but it's it's a really good acting job and it's it's pretty incredible there's another movie, it's Internal Sunshine and Spotless Mind with Jim Carrey, and that's a drama role that's completely out of his normal element. But I think there's there's a lot of examples of this happening where a comedic actor does great in a dramatic role, and maybe part of that effect, like I said, is because it's so different to us, since we know these people in their other roles, that it has a bigger impact on us. But Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he does well in other things. I, I think it kind of boils down to if it's run by Happy Madison Productions or not. Because I think when he wants to try, it's fine. You know, there's other stuff, too. You know, you haven't mentioned, like, you know, Spanglish or uh, The Wedding Singer. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like that. You know, he can turn in a good performance. Part of me thinks that occasionally he, he just wants to remind us that he, is, he, he can actually act really well. Um, but, no, dude, it's a good time. I, I think if you're an adult, you should totally see this movie. Yeah. No, I would. I want to argue, but I can't. I'd recommend. Um, there's also a fair amount of celebrities involved in the movie so that's that's kind of nice little added bonus um but yeah there's this was the one definitely in this list that i would say is not only 
an enjoyable movie from an entertainment perspective, but even from more of a critical perspective as well. I mean, it's just a good movie overall. It's so, absolutely probably the best Rotten yeah. Tomato score. Yeah, this one's at 92%. Ooh. Yeah, I don't think anything else we have is even close to that, honestly. Certified fresh. Well, we'll see. I'm sure yeah. nothing on your list will come close, but, but yeah, so this one's definitely the exception in the list, but I'll, I'll pass it back to you. Okay. Um, so number two on the worst list, from 1996, you may have not seen this, Bulletproof. Have you seen it, Nathan? Nope. That's, that's three in a row. It's, have you seen, like, nowhere near similar, I guess, but among the same vein, have you seen like, you know, Bad Boys or any other kind of like buddy cop films? Yes. Almost uh, like that. They're they're both not cops. So let me kind of break it down, down real quick. So, movie opens up. It, it's Damon Wayans, starring with Adam Sandler. And, you know, they're buddies working for a crime lord. And the movie opens up. And it turns out Damon Wayans is an undercover cop. Adam Sandler doesn't know that. So, like, you know, they go on this operation. It goes wrong. Um, and it gets found out. Or someone tells, hey, this guy's an undercover cop. So, like... A mistake happens, and Adam Sandler accidentally shoots Damon Wayans in the head. You're like, wow, that's really sad. I guess Damon Wayans is done. Wait, go ahead. I, can I interrupt you for a second yeah. here? So, I don't really, I, I may, I don't remember the the commercials. It was 96. Space, you probably. But, but yeah, so it's, I guess mainly the question I had before you go on is, is this a comedy movie or action, drama? It's or like, a, where, where does it fall on that spectrum? It's like it's a PG thirteen. I think it was supposed like, to be rated it, R, but they had to dumb it down for the studios. Is it is it, is it supposed to be funny or is it is this another serious role of his? It's I guess versus in the Bad middle. Boys. Is it, is it kind of close to that? No, it's type su- of... it's supposed to be more funny, okay. like a Bad Boys. So it's like it's like a funny action drama. Yes, like a funny it's, action. It's nothing movie. too serious. We'll no, it. okay, no. So again, he he shoots him in the head. He ends up getting arrested. It's like somehow, miraculously, Damon Wayans recovers. And Adam Sandler's character like agrees to testify against his drug kingpin or whatever. And somehow Damon Wayans gets assigned to like escort him across the country to go testify. That's a weird idea, right? Like why why would you be assigned to testify against the guy who, you know, uh, shot you in the head? So, you know, obviously they're traveling across the country together and nothing here goes right. So another terrible trope in this movie, Damon Wayans obviously has to go through physical therapy to recover. Mm. And one of my least favorite things is like, oh, I fell in love with the nurse that took care of me. I hate that. I absolutely hate it. Of course it happens here. And it does circle back to the plot later. So Damon Wayans falls in love with his nurse. One big thing here. So, you know, they're made across the country and, you know, it's the whole bro movie thing of like, you know, it's all tense at first and they run into issues, but eventually they make up and they, they want to take the person down together. Adam Sandler wants to get out of it. Fine. Right. So they finally make it towards the climax of the movie and they're trying to take down this, this drug kingpin. Um, they find out his whereabouts, but ha huh, plot twist. The nurse Damon Wiggins fell in love with, was in on it the whole time. She was in cahoots with the <laughs> drug kingpin. So she's been feeding their whereabouts to him this whole time. And it's like, whoa, what? Obviously, that's a big trope too, right? Obviously, the, the <laughs> cute, lovable you know, female interest you know, was in on it. That was a big trope back then. Anyways, 
It turns out, so this time Adam Sandler takes a bullet for Damon Wayans, which allows him to pursue and, like, you know, go arrest the drug kingpin. And at the end of the movie, he lets Adam Sandler's character go, and he, like, goes down to Mexico. Um, I forgot what he wanted to do. He was going to, like, open up a bowling alley or something. There was some odd thing he wanted to do at the end of it. Um, is there any, like, build-up to that? Like, is that a theme throughout the there movie? There was a couple th- Yeah, there, there was some small build-up in it. Um... But like, yeah, it, it, it's just weird. It, <laughs> but the the whole thing was, it felt like it was supposed to be a lot more raunchy than it was. It felt like yeah. it was heavily edited. Um, it was it was terribly received. Especially, you know, you would think Damon Williams and Adam Sandler could make make a good buddy action adventure comedy. Yeah, it just did not happen. Both have have comedic potential. So, it's... and and this was after some of his big movies. So, like he was known. And this was, a, you know, um, it just this it, it was a bad movie. All right, I'm gonna ask you for it now. Then, what's your guess on the percentage here? Seven, eight percent. So this one, this one's the worst thus far. <laughs> with the comment, in addition to its ability to deflect gunfire, bulletproof proves sadly impervious to humor, logic, or worthwhile viewing. So pretty much That's no, really bad. no redeeming qualities in that yep. that consensus there. I mean, based on everything you described, it yeah, it seems like a kind of like a cheap movie in, in some ways, or it maybe mailed in a little bit. I guess I can't think of anything similar that it, Adam Sandler would have had because he's usually not in kind of like those action type comedies to begin with. Correct. Like usually it's. It's something a little bit different, kind of outside of you know the traditional. Oh, I'm a cop, or I'm a a criminal going at it kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's it's a little bit different from all the other things you would see him in. Yeah, and it was still early in his career too. Like I said, it was '96, so I think like Billy Madison had come out. I'm trying to think what else had come out. I think Happy Gilmore was that same year. Yeah, because it, it was it was kind of early in like the the Adam Sandler hype, but it wasn't at the very start of it. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so then I'm going to hop over to number two. This is where I've got the 1998 Wedding Singer. Nice. So this one, I mean, as the name would indicate, uh, he is a wedding singer in this movie. Yep. Um, And kind of the prevailing story is that he's fallen in love with, with this girl who is engaged to be married. Her name is Julia um, she's engaged to a guy named Glenn Gulia, so she's had to become uh, Julia Gulia. Um, it's a bad and, name. And, and so, really, the movie kind of follows his job as wedding singer and his ups and downs with his past relationship, and you know, kind of this new girl he's into, and you know, he, he kind of learns things along the way in this one. Um, kind of, you know, with the big daddy element where he's finding ways to improve himself and 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 help other people in some ways. And then this also has a little bit of the emotional heartstring pull where there's a lot of love interest in these comedic movies. This one explores that, I think, a little bit better than a lot of them do to where you really do kind of feel for these characters a little bit more than you would in some of these other comedic movies where they have a love interest maybe either just to have one or it's not... They're not really focused on kind of the emotions of the characters involved. Yeah. So I would say it definitely has more of a personal connection than some of the other comedic movies you'll have out there. Um, but overall, I think the acting is good, too. I mean, it's not as cheesy as some of the other Adam Sandler movies where it's, 
you know, literally just focus on comedy and they're kind of like caricatures of people in some ways. Like everybody's kind of a real person. They don't do anything too goofy or they just don't have as many of those characters involved. So I think it's, it's really a good compromise of the serious and the silly. And at the end of the day, you end up with a really good movie. Um, but so I think this is probably one of the better efforts that he had. Obviously it's here at number two on my list. Yeah. So, you know, all I do, all I do remember about this is like, you know, obviously we were like, I think it was 2000, was it 2004? This one was 1998. Wasn't so that early? One, so it was basically. Oh no, yeah. that was Spanglish. I was thinking of my bad. Yeah. So this one was, was, was kind of once again, right, right about okay. the height of the Adam Sandler mega popularity, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember, like, I didn't see this movie when it first came out. But I saw it years later. It might have been around 2004, and I thought it was going to be a lot more comedic than it was. <laughs> than it actually was. I guess you know, just from his previous works. Um, but no, dude, this was actually like one of his few characters you actually like really, really cared for and like kind of rooted for. Um, yeah. It was a gray area character. It wasn't over the top. It was kind of you know you saw his intentions, but. Um, and he, obviously there was some negative there, but no, dude, it was, it, sh- it was the first movie, um, that like, you could see his range really. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of anything else before that really tested it. He's believable. And yeah. And yeah, Adam Sandler himself, similar to other characters, he's not as much of a, a caricature type, type person in this. He's, he's more fleshed out. Yep. He's got a range. I mean, he, he's much more relatable as a person. You're. So you can sit there and and have a lot more connection with this person than you would like the Happy Gilmore character, who's obviously you know not your, not your typical everyday yep. human being, or at least they don't delve into that piece of him as much. Yeah. So no, man, it's a good choice. All right. All right. So what is? I'm curious to see what the top of your list is. All right. This is probably going to surprise a lot of people because it's not something else. Um, the number one worst Adam Sandler movie, in my opinion. Uh, 2008s, I believe. Don't mess with the Zohan or Zohan, if you if you so prefer. Um, really bad movie. Have you seen it? I've seen bits and pieces of it. I will say some of the bits and pieces I've actually laughed because this oh, is one of those ones where it's just God. it's almost like the the stupid comedy. It is to stupid. where to where it's like it, it's so stupid that some of the things they do it's because you didn't even see it coming or you wouldn't expect somebody to ever do that. It's hilarious in that way because it just it kind of catches you by surprise with how off the wall it is. But that being said, really the only thing I kind of understand is what he's basically like some kind of former special forces guy who's right. living a second life. As let, let me give you like the 60, okay. 60 second synopsis here. So he is an Israeli special forces person. Okay. Apparently, he's highly successful. Never really fails at anything. But his ultimate dream is to go be a hairdresser at Paul Mitchell's. In the United States, very odd dream. His parents are not supportive of this dream. They laugh at him. Like the company that makes all like the hair yeah, products yeah, and stuff? correct. You know what? And screw his parents. Your parents should support your dreams. That's really bad. Anyways, so he wants to get out one day. So, like, they're, obviously they're in a war with, like, Palestine. And they're in this conflict. And also his rival is Palestinian. And his name is the Phantom. Anyways, so he ends up faking his own death, and he ends up smuggling himself to the United States. He ends up in New York. Fine, whatever. So he gets there, he cuts his hair, he goes and asks for jobs as a hairdresser. Obviously no one's hired him, because he doesn't have any training. So that's kind of weird, right? So what happens next? He meets Nick Swartzen's character, 
who's just this lame nerd, and like they meet because the Zohan protects him from like a a bully or a robber. I think he was getting like carjacked or something. Anyways, Nick Swartzen is so thankful that he takes him in. He lets the Zohan stay with him and his mom. And what does Adam Sandler's character do? He ends up making love to Nick Swartzen's mom. That is a terrible way to repay someone for letting them stay with you. How disrespectful. Like, I, I don't understand how he could be so mean. So anyways, that, that ends up not working out for a very long time. Um... He ends up meeting other immigrants at uh, at the club? No, it was at a disco. I'm sorry. So they're at a disco. He meets someone who somehow recognizes him. Of course they do, right? And they're like, okay, I'll keep your secret, Zohan. Um, and he takes him to like this immigrant part of New York. Um, and he meets his love interest there because obviously it's an Adam Sandler movie, so there's obviously a love interest. And oh, she runs a failing hair, hair salon. Whoa, <laughs> that's hugely convenient to the plot. And she's like, no, you can't cut hair. You don't have any experience. But you can sweep the floors. So he does that. Until one day, somebody calls out sick. So guess what the Zohan gets to do? He gets to hairdress. But guess what he's also doing? He's also making love to these women. So if somebody goes out sick, they can just put unqualified people in place? I guess so. That sounds like a great solution for many businesses out there. Yeah. So he's hairdressing all these old immigrant women, but he's also making love to them at the same time? Wait, what do you say at the same time? In like, the back. I say like while cutting the hair? No, well, no, like while he's doing the shampooing and stuff, like in the back. Oh, so it's like a premium service kind of deal. Yep. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, no one's really happy about this. And like there's a subplot of like this this like white business tycoon who wants to buy out all the immigrants so he can build a mega mall. So that that's something too. So like it turns out, and then one day Adam Sandler gets in a cab and he runs into Rob Schneider who's playing an immigrant from Palestine, and obviously they had issues. And somehow he recognizes him because one day Adam Sandler took his goat back in Palestine. Jeez. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. So, like, you know, he spends the next part of the movie trying to kill Adam Sandler. It doesn't work. But guess who uh, Rob Schneider knows? The Phantom. He convinces the Phantom to come from Palestine all the way to New York City to come confront him. And they end, he ends up confronting him at a hacky sack tournament. <laughs> this sounds made up, right? This sounds this like is the I, longest sixty second summary I've ever. I'm heard. sorry, it needs longer than this. So like they start they start fighting or whatever, but then like the Zohan doesn't want to really fight, and then like it turns out someone's burning down the immigrant properties, and it's like what? So they go back and find out what's going on. So it's it's like white rednecks who are really racist. Who are burning down all the immigrant, you know, buildings and things like that. So guess what? The two, the Palestinian and the Zohan end up teaming up together to take out the racist rednecks. But guess what? Adam Sandler's love interest is actually the Phantom's sister. Duh. So it's... It, it's but she, she had no idea who he was? Correct. So, oh, okay. yeah. But at the end of the day, they worked, they worked it all out. They beat up the rednecks. They ended up, you know, working together and opening their own immigrant mall. And it ended up being fine. But it's, it's a terrible movie. Adam Sandler's trying to make love to old women too much. Obviously, there's a terrible Rob Schneider character. It, it, it's all it's all bad. I, uh, I'm going to be honest. I don't want to ask any questions about the plot. The only question I am going to ask you is... We've kind of avoided this a little bit, but, you, you know... With a lot of the recurring characters in Adam Sandler movies... Yep. Or re- recurring actors and actresses. Really, Rob Schneider's one of the constants in a lot of these. 
He's the worst. What, what are your opinions of him? He's the, of, he's the as, worst one. Even as side characters, you don't like him as much? Out of all of his Adam Sandler side characters, Rob Schneider is the worst one. Okay. So I, I actually kind of enjoyed him a little bit in Big Daddy. I feel like that was a little bit more when, than What was he, a butcher? <laughs> right? Was he, yeah. Was it a butcher? Or a fish market the, guy? The, the hippopotamus? Yeah, correct. He was trying to... to that was about it. I guess, I guess you kind of like... Uh, uh, another guy I tell a lot of movies is Alan Covert. He's the, the, the main guy from Grandma's Boy and and what yep. have you. He seems to show up in a fair amount. He's in a lot of Adam Sandler movies. Like, yeah, because I know he's in, in The Wedding Singer. He's he in he a, shows up in a, yeah. in a variety of those, you know, too. Nick Swartzen's in a lot. Steve Buscemi... Is obviously in a lot. Mm-hmm. Kevin James is in a lot. Even people like Kevin Nealon. You know Kevin Nealon? He's he's in quite a few Adam Sandler movies. Yeah. The, his Happy Gilmore character is pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I think Rob Schneider is the worst one. I mean, think about his, 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 his only, like... So you don't find him funny even in, like, the side roles? No, not in the side roles. Not in his own movies. You know, like, Deuce Bigelow was bad. Shallow Hal was bad. <sighs> yeah. I, I just don't think Rob Schneider in the leading role ever won anybody over. Necessarily, because I think at best, you know, he's kind of got a a very limited, I guess, time, like, lifespan with, with the type of comedy that he goes with. Yeah. Because it, it wears on you pretty quick. Yep. But then, I guess, yeah, last question, then, uh, where do you think this falls percentage-wise? 12? <laughs> this may come as a surprise. 37% on Rotten Tomatoes. Here, here's the here's the uh, the summary sentence here. You don't mess with the Zohan. Features intermittent laughs and will please Sandler diehards. But after a while, the leaky premise wears thin. It it did not please me at all. <laughs> but yeah, that one actually scored. I mean, kind of twice as high as all the other ones we've talked about so yeah. far on the worst list. But uh, getting into number one here, I've got Billy Madison from 1995. This was really one of the first big hits uh, mm-hmm. from Adam Sandler on the movie side. Um, this one's definitely more of a silly comedy type deal. Yep. I mean, ba- basically in this one, he is basically the heir of a, a hotel franchise. But uh, he's really irresponsible because he's kind of had everything handed to him his whole life. And uh, come to find out, the dad decides that he's going to give the inheritance and the whole business to his executive vice president, I believe, instead of him. Correct. Just because he doesn't trust him. And so Adam Sandler is not very happy about this. And so it gets to this situation where the father said, you know, I, I basically your whole way through school has been bought out. Like teachers have been bribed to provide you, you know, passing grades and everything. So it, it comes to this head where ultimately he has to pass 12 grades of college or 12 grades of school yeah. <laughs> in, in, a, in a couple weeks in order to get the inheritance and be trusted with the business. Um, Which is weird. It's a weird premise on its own. But anyway. Yeah, because I, I would say there's, there's it would be weird to put together a curriculum that accurately tests whether you've met all of that, um, especially if there's still a learning process to be had. I feel like this is probably against many of the teaching type uh research that's out there I would hope to, so to learn and test things in two weeks especially yeah. from our retention perspective but either way it's a very silly plot this is one that doesn't take itself very seriously um, but ultimately it is probably one of the biggest laugh out loud movies just because of how crazy it is um, I mean him being amongst you know what first to, to 12th graders and kind of seeing that progression happen and, and some of the the crap that goes along the way for that 
Um, so it's, it's much more slapstick in nature, similar to, to the happy Gilmore. You're not going to have, you know, a lot of darker moments or a lot of deeper stuff, but ultimately this is a movie where you go, you have a good time pretty much the, the whole freaking way through. Um, I don't, I can't imagine there's any way that most people haven't seen it, but, uh, there's a great speech about the puppy who lost his way. If mm-hmm. you've seen the movie, you'll know what that is. Um, if not, that's a, a treat. And the response to that, that speech is one of the greatest movie moments ever. Um, so that, that I'll kind of leave up to the imagination if you haven't seen it yet, which you absolutely should. Um, I think some of the other supporting characters in this one were, were pretty great. Uh, Bridget Wilson kind of plays the love interest in that. And I, mm-hmm. I think it goes really well. I think the chemistry on that was actually super great, even for like a, a silly comedy movie. Like it, it's, 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 it's hilarious the whole way through, but you know, it just fits in the theme of the movie. Um, and also I find Norm Macdonald hilarious a lot of times. So, so I think when you he's throw him into the mix, I mean, I think he, he's a, a good boost as well from just the overall comedy lineup you got going. But but as a total, like I said, Billy Madison, it's not going to win any awards as far as the plot and everything goes, but it's possibly the most fun Adam Sandler movie to where just from a pure entertainment perspective and am I having a good time, it's, it's pretty much the classic winner in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I mean, you know, what well, you said 95, right? 95, yeah. You know, at the time, there was nothing like it. You know, it was so unique and so off the wall. I mean, there have been obviously funny movies before that, but they've been off more realistic tropes, whether it's like National Lampoon's, like the Vacation series. Well, it's like even or, like stuff like, like Animal House and stuff, it's kind of like set very reality, where it's, it's, correct. it's a college. It's a college like, frat. You don't have a, a grown man correct. going into you know, an elementary yeah, type grade like, level. Yeah, so like stuff like that, like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Have you ever seen Meatballs? You seen, see seen parts of me. Oh, okay, actually. it's a funny. Movie. I may but, have yeah. seen all of it as a kid too, and don't fully remember yeah. all of it. I definitely, I've definitely seen multiple parts of that. Yeah, but no, this dude. Again, I, I want to bicker with you on it, but it's like it's, it's just such a fun movie. <laughs> the one thing I'll say is negative. This may have because op- this really, like you said, it, it opens a lot of window into the more unreal comedy movies. And so this probably could have played a big part in some of the things we've seen over the past couple of decades. It opened Pandora's it's, box. It's people trying to come up with, hey, Billy Madison was, it somehow worked perfectly as far as being a comedy hit. So let's try all these ridiculous off-the-wall premises. And and some of them are pretty great, but some of them are terrible. And yeah. I mean, like like with the That's My Boy or the Zohan stuff, depending on how you perceive it, they can just be... They could be funny, or they could just be the dumbest things anybody's ever seen when they come to actual, you know, execution. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of where I have it at the top of my list. I know there's a lot of good Adam Sandler movies out there, so is there anything that you would have put on the best list that I didn't? Okay, so the, the only really things I, I had here were a couple of guilty pleasures. Like, I admit they're not the most amazing. Right, I'm going I'm to do one more ask of you. After you say them, okay. or... I guess as you're going through, yeah. at least say what you would take off the list. If, okay. If you think you, if you, out of the five that I've kind of mentioned, I can go through those again too, if you need, but, but yeah, I, I'd be curious to see which one you would pull off of the list in order to make this happen. So I enjoyed the movie click a lot more than many people did. Um, I enjoyed the family dynamics of it. Um, I, I felt like it was one of his more his more grounded characters. I mean, granted, the story itself was ridiculous, um, but I also enjoy enjoy um, 
Bed Bath & Beyond as a store. <laughs> hey, hey. Is that really one of the arguments? You know what? That absolutely is one of the arguments. Why are you being so mean? Actually, I'm, I'm going to surprise you here. I think that, yeah, the plot device is stupid. Mm-hmm. But, but the actual plot and spirit of the movie overall, I think Click is absolutely great. I mean, I know I know it kind of gets trashed on by everything, but I, I'm on board with you. I actually really enjoyed Click. Like, if I had to replace it, hmm, which one would I cut from yours? Right, so, so I had Happy Gilmore, Big Daddy, Uncut Gems, Wedding Singer, Billy Madison. Wedding Singer? Out of okay. those? That's fair. Um, Just because it's not your personal preference. Yeah. The only other one, and I, granted, I know it's a bad movie. I know it is. I just love it. I like Grown Ups too. I know nobody else likes Grown Ups too. Here's the thing: I like the cast, sans Rob Schneider. Um, but like they, you know, obviously it was back in their hometown. They added like Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's probably another reason why I like it so much. <laughs> I always enjoy when Shaq does cameos. It seems like he does cameos now in every Adam Sandler movie. Man, I'm amazed you've seen Grown Ups too. Hey, you know what, guy? Again, we talked about Adam Sandler just having fun and not really caring anymore. These, Those two are the ultimate movies where he just doesn't really care. But you know what? I laughed a lot. I, I can't... Again, like Alan Covert, Grandma's Boy, you know, you know, Peter Dante. It's another guy. You know, like uh, Dante and Shaq play the cops. In mm-hmm. the whole thing, I don't, I don't know. It's just fun. I don't know, man. I mean, I honestly, if you had it. a good time, like that, that's really what, like I said, on the entertainment value of these. At the end of the day, it's are you are you enjoying what you're doing? So even if it's not one of the better movies, I can't fault anybody for having fun any of those. But um, I, what, I've never watched Grown Ups one, let alone Grown Ups two, just oh, because it's. I just feel like it can't be something I get into. I, just I don't know, man. I it, it, it's it's turn off your brain and have a good time. Like Chris Rock, I think he's married to uh, Maya Rudolph. Mm-hmm. They're great together. I don't know. I just I get. I, I, I could see that piece of it working. I know critically, it's not I, good. I think they both have good good value there, but I enjoy it. Okay, so then I, I guess really, you mentioned a couple of things. Like I said, I do like Click, um, so I can I can agree with you there. Um, so like honorable mentions, this one's pretty terrible, but I actually do kind of like Fifty First Dates. There are certain scenes in that one that are pretty hilarious. <sighs> My wife likes it. It's not. I'll be the first to say it's it's not a good movie, similar to a lot of these on the list. But but there's various parts that are actually pretty entertaining. To where overall, I have a pretty good time if I put it on. Like I don't mind having it on the TV. Like it's 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 nothing no. nothing against it. But I didn't think it was that strong as some of these other ones we put on. The plot is silly with Drew Barrymore's character. You know, obviously I mean, we just got done talking about Billy Madison, so I guess like I'm sorry, and I hate Rob Schneider's character. And then, <laughs> like they're out playing golf, and he talks about getting bit by a shark. It's all it's terrible. Well, is, I guess this is funny, but there's the one scene where where Rob Schneider keeps getting like horribly injured yeah. because she has to come save Adam Sandler because he's trying to like Correct. find all these different ways, and she has short term memory loss for her to like meet him and fall in love with him. Impress, so. impress her and all that. Yeah. So, yeah, she at one point she hits Rob Schneider with, like, a bat or something, and that that's pretty entertaining. But a lot of the comedy, some of the comedy comes from him there, too, but part of it's just the situation itself. Yeah. Um, the only other thing to say, um, I actually enjoyed the remake of The Longest Yard. It's not a comedy, it's, or, sorry, it is a comedy movie. Yep. Like, it, that's, that's probably the primary element of it, but... It's not. It's not the best movie. Like I think it should have been better than it was. Like uh, you probably could have improved that movie a fair amount. But you know, there's some star power. You mentioned you like Stone Cold yep. Steve Austin. 
He'll show up in there for you. You get Absolutely. Goldberg. I know Goldberg. he's a wrestler for you. But like you get you get a fair amount of star power in there. You get you get some memorable moments there too. Um, so I understand. Yeah, it was a little bit of a disappointment because it it could have had more. It could have been stronger. I'd say, but that one had a good time. And then out of the other serious Adam Sandler movies, uh, Punch Drunk Love isn't bad. And that that one, he's basically this guy who's kind of got some. Uh, you know, mental and social struggles going on ends up, uh, you know, finding a girl that he's attracted to. And there's a lot that goes into it, but Mm -hmm. that's another movie where he's not a funny character. He's a serious character that it's, it's interesting to see. Um, and I thought it was a a good movie overall. I know it gets a lot of praise. I didn't have it quite like, I I think as far as the series movies go, I think uncut gems is a better movie and that's why it made this list. And this one didn't, um, but, but that, that's a worthwhile movie to see too. But then yeah. I guess we'll hop over to the worst list. I just want to say this right now on honorable mentions. I don't know how Jack and Jill didn't make your list. Now, hang on. <laughs> so, yes, I'm glad you brought this up. So here's a quick soapbox on why Jack and Jill from 2011 did not make the, the worst list. And a lot of people would have put this at number one. And, and, and for some reason, if, if nobody knows what this is. Go ahead. Or if anybody doesn't know, it's, it's basically Adam Sandler is playing both a boy and and a girl at the same time with the characters of Jack and Jill. And by goodness, if you've ever seen the trailer, the commercials for it, that, that tells you all you really need to know about why this movie did not succeed from a critical perspective by any means. So why Jack and Jill was not number one or not on the list at all. It's one of the few movies where you should know by looking at any promotional pictures, promotional posters, trailers, you should know you should not watch this movie. It does not try to trick you. If you look at what the screen is, like if you go on Netflix and you saw the image of it and you clicked on it, shame on you. You are dumb at that point. You should not even click on this movie. (laughs) Okay, so it warns you. So you're saying because the expectations are low. Yes. You should have enough context to not click on it to waste your time. So, so you're saying your list is based on the quality in relation to the expectations. It, so yes. you're saying if there's a bad comedy movie and it's basically advertised as a bad comedy movie, it should be judged by that bar. Like that's that's kind of the approach you're taking. I'm saying this is an obscenity on your eyeballs. <laughs> the other ones are bad comedy movies. This one is just, it's not a movie. It, it's some horror flick. You should know not to click on it. <laughs> Two, you know who does give a good performance in this? Al Pacino. It doesn't make any sense, but it's probably his best performance since, like, I don't know, Taking Back Sunday? Think about it. I think it's Any Given Sunday. Oh, I'm sorry, Any Given Sunday. Taking Back Sunday is the emo band from the the mid-2000s. Well, that that was was our era. I'm sorry, Any Given Sunday when he was the coach. My bad. I, I, I want to imagine Al Pacino singing any Taking Back Sunday song now. I'd pay to I pay to watch that. I mean, I would too. I'm I'm not even gonna lie on that. But other than those two topics, you know, they invested a lot of money into it and they tried something different. It didn't work at all. <laughs> but again, you should know not to waste your time with this movie. You should know by looking at the cover. Like if you just Googled it. You should know, hey, I'm not even going to try to watch this. 
Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Because I guess the point of making movies is to make make money off of it. So, I mean, apart from Adam Sandler diehards, you're you're really limiting your target audience here. I don't know if you got them. Like, on, like, dude, if you if you looked at this, you would know that you're not going to have a good time. <laughs> I'm just going to throw the stats out here. So, Rotten Tomatoes, it's, it's a three, it can't be higher three three percent three percent. And the consensus here kind of speaks a little bit to what you said with. Although it features an inexplicably committed performance from Al Pacino, Jack and Jill is impossible to recommend on any level whatsoever. Sure. Correct. <laughs> but it tells you that with its promotional materials. So don't fall into that trap. You're dumb if you watch it. Well, I mean, it's like... <sighs> That's why it's not the worst. It knows like what a it worse is. perspective. I mean, if somebody's selling me a, a bag of poop and they tell me it's a bag of poop, I mean, I'm still going to rate it as if it's a bag of poop. Like that's, I guess the way I'm I'm kind of seeing it. You you can see it however you want to see it. Because yeah, you're basically giving me a pass just because they said the movie is bad. Yes, but uh, okay, I guess I'll leave it there. It's your list, but I I definitely would have had Jack and Jill number one. I think don't care. In all fairness, I, in order to do the worst list, I would need to watch a fair amount more of these. Adam you wouldn't Sandler make it through. Maybe maybe that's wanted. another qualifier. You would not make it through the movie. Are you saying that I'm going to die midway through the movie from how bad I hate it? Or <laughs> You would have to be in some sort of altered state to make it through the movie. Okay. But, but uh, ultimately, the only other thing I was going to say on the honorable mention side, the only Adam Sandler movie I've never been able to get into is Little Nicky. Um, huh. And because for me, like I said, with comedy, there has to be kind of good balance. If you focus too much on like weird voices and facial animations, which... I think kind of makes Jim Carrey annoying at times in some of his movies, but like I think the little Nicky voice is kind of grating, and, and overall too, the movie just isn't that interesting. I just I don't think it's as well thought out. Like it's, it's a they found the gimmick they wanted to go with. You didn't like him being the son of Satan. It just it didn't didn't seem like maybe it's kind of in, in some ways kind of like the now pronounced Chuck and Larry. It almost feels like when they made the movie, they found something they're gonna click to and just kind of like force it in there at any cost and so it just seems like something that's just it turns into like a a mush pile where i'm not i'm not entertained from any i've never sat through and watched the you whole know, things i just i can't feel it the only reason i liked it it's one of adam sandler's few characters where he's actually playing like some sort of reserved not like you know little nicky himself is actually like that's actually well, a good point. Yeah, like, he, he doesn't play very many characters where he's not, like, super outlandish. And granted, the setting is, and the world is, but, like, he's actually, like, you kind of root for him. Like, oh, you know, I hope you don't, you know, I don't know. And is, who was his brother in that? Who played him? With, I forget. With little Nicky? Yeah. It's been a while since you know, he's looking getting, you, up, getting no, you to data right now. I think that was the year 2000. Can't remember the cast fully. Nathan's pulling it up as we speak, so, you know, it should be pretty good. But it was a super popular movie. It comes on all the time. Oh, was, uh, hold on. I got it up right here. Adrian! Yeah, Reese, Reese Efons. Oh, God, I don't remember him at all. Uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I didn't hate it. Yeah, I, I guess that's really all I had here on, as far as the honorable mentions. I mean, there, there's obviously... Bad movies. Some of the Netflix ones that have come out, I know people are watching them, but they're not good. Yeah, from what so I understand, that was the only other thing I had to say on the, like the honorable mentions. So a lot of the Netflix movies 
are really bad. So, like, my least favorite was probably the do-over. That was the one with David Spade. Okay. Like, they escaped to an island, and, like, you know, they, they fake their deaths, and, you know, they're trying to obviously start over. It was really bad. You said you watched Hootie Halloween? Yep. I. What? It's not a good movie, but I laughed. I enjoyed it. So, you overall, you would say you had a fun time watching it. So it's I watched it, it during Halloween. Bad, bad it was a fun time. Okay. It's not a good movie. I admit it's not a good movie, but I had a good time. Okay. Um, well, I mean, that's fair. Yeah. You know, another one people bring up is The Ridiculous Six. Yeah, that's another one. That it, it's probably, if you looked it up now, it's probably really badly rated. I didn't make it all the way through. So I kind of gave up on it. I didn't think it was the... It is super outdated. And yeah, it plays up to a lot of stereotypes. Granted, I laugh. I laugh at everybody, but... It's not good. Yeah, that that one. It's eighteen percent on Metacritic. Uh, let's see if what it got on. I'm pulling up the Rotten Tomatoes score for you. Ooh. Oh, zero percent. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't see those too often. No. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and read the consensus. Please here, do. All right. Every bit as lazily offensive as its cast and concept would suggest. The Ridiculous Six is a standard couch fare for Adam Sandler fanatics. And must avoid viewing for film enthusiasts of every other persuasion. <laughs> so they didn't pull any punches with that right there. Yeah. Hey, Rob Schneider's in that one too. Of course he is. <laughs> so, I mean, you see Rob Schneider there. I thought that would get you going a bit. Nope. Buscemi shows up in that. I'm trying to see what other. They all, like Terry Crews is a star in it. I'm trying to see what other. Okay, yeah. So this is interesting. So we talked about Alan Covert, the guy from Grandma's Boy and, uh-huh. and whatnot. So, even though he was not in the film, he was part of the producing credits for that. So, looks like he's uh, getting some love from Adam that way, too. So, once again, I mean, good on him for kind of keeping all the people he's cool with uh, involved in the process. They're just having a good time. I wish we were in that position. I mean, that's a good lesson, though. I mean, overall, movies are about having a good time, right? They can be. That's a a sector of movies. yeah. Yeah, okay, that's... That's true. Um, but, I mean, ultimately, you know, if you're not having a good time, you're not going to watch the movie. Because I guess good time may be defined maybe by more something more raucous or what have you. But oh, you know what? Hey, it could also be something deeper. Here, here's one. Uh, what were your thoughts on Mr. Deeds? I don't hate it, but See, I don't rank it. So like, It's in the middle for me, too. A it's, lot of people rank Mr. Deeds... Maybe in like the top five to top ten ish, like mm-hmm. as if it's one of the classics. But to me, I don't, I don't hate it. That's another one that I've watched most, but not all of it. Um, but it's kind of like a step below Big Daddy, I would say, like a notable oh, no, step below as far as the quality of the movie and comedy. So it's, it's one kinda, of the more tame comedies it's too. It's kind of there. Um, yeah. So. That's that's one I I just didn't enjoy as much, but I don't I don't hate it either, so I, I wouldn't put it on either list for what it's worth. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I guess that's a enough Adam Sandler talk for one day. Yeah. I... <laughs> um, what what were your thoughts on the beer, other than it cutting you? I've actually enjoyed it. Like uh, all blood aside, I felt felt through uh, fought through the uh, adversity here and. I've enjoyed it. I, I think it's one of the better ones we've had, actually. It, it totally grew on me. You know, I don't think it beats, you know, the Cougar Paw or the, 
you'll shoot your eye out or anything like that. But or the Steve Austin beer, but it's it, it's definitely good. I would def- definitely have it again. I mean, yeah, the label's entertaining too. It, it's a good label. So again, Eleven Below Brewing Flex Appeal. So again, if you're in Houston, please uh, try that one out. Absolutely. Yeah. Or if you're with uh, Eleven Below Brewing, please send us a check. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, other than that, you know, we're in the holiday season. So, you know, if you have time, check out Adam Sandler's Eight Crazy Nights. Or don't. We didn't talk about that one at all. <laughs> Very country. Again, we're not going to dive into we'll that. We'll leave that one to the audience. Just yeah, just, just decide that. Other than that, guys, uh, finish your beer and we'll check you out on the next one.